Arizona, Arizona Sports, the local sports, local leader. sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort, AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset, and away we go at the halfway point to the Burns and Gambo show, everything going on in sports, we call it the 4 o'clock reset, we start with the latest on the Cardinals coaching news, according to reports, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn will have a second interview with the Cardinals today after interviewing virtually on Saturday. Cardinals legend Larry Fitzgerald said this about Dan Quinn on his Let's Go podcast back during the season in October. He'd be number one, in my opinion. Uh, there's no question about that, you know, what he's done. Obviously, his experience, and he, he did really good in Atlanta. Um, and, you know, had he, you know, run the football a little bit more, he'd have a Super Bowl championship. So I, I don't think it's be much longer until Dan Quinn will be back on the sidelines as a head coach of the National Football League. But I think for him, most importantly, is finding the right situation. You know, you, you don't want to go to a team where you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance to win. You want to be in a place where, you know, you, you have a legitimate shot. And those type of jobs are very difficult to come by because they don't turn over often. Nice little passive-aggressive shot yeah. there right, Larry Fitzgerald. If you just run the ball more, you wouldn't want a Super Does Bowl. anybody ever say, if you just tackled James Harrison, the Cardinals would have had a Super Bowl. <laughs> God, you couldn't catch that guy? Come on. Yeah, you just ran James Harrison out of bounds, Jeez. Vince. You just would have tackled him. Hey, you had 100 a yards. To, calling the kettle black. You had 100 on. yards to tackle a guy. Just You only got to do got 100 yards. Just tackle him. He's up. Um, I would think this, that Larry Fitzgerald does have influence over Michael Bidwell. Um, those two have a very close relationship, a super close relationship. And if Larry Fitzgerald is saying Dan Quinn would be the top choice, I would imagine that Michael would lean on Larry for some of that advice and be willing to hear what he had to say about Dan Quinn. The TV voice of the Suns, Kevin Ray, was on earlier. He also calls games for the Dallas Cowboys on their radio network. Man, he sang the praises of Dan Quinn on Wolf and Luke today. That guy is a terrific coach. His players love him. And I had a chance a couple times now over the last few years to, to talk to him. And it's a guy that I know everybody goes back to that Super Bowl loss, but it's a guy that learned a lot from that loss, uh, became very introspective, and did a lot of self-examination in his year away from the game. So that's just that's just my two cents. Like I said, I'd hate to lose him in Dallas, but man, I think that would be an A-plus pick if you're the Cardinals. Well, he's, he's in tonight. I don't know if that means he's interviewing tonight or if he's going to interview tomorrow, but either way, it feels like a kind of bold, aggressive move by the Cardinals to go out and get a guy back in for his second interview because this was not really on our radar 24 hours yeah, ago. Yeah, listen, usually when you get to that second interview process, you're, you know, if that if you pass that test, you get hired. Yeah. You pass that test, you get hired. They're not bringing everybody back for second interviews, so very possible Dan Quinn could end up being the guy. The Phoenix Suns have a shot at their fourth straight win tonight as they host the Charlotte Hornets, but before we do that, Gambo's got to do the Gambo thing. Some Suns rumors that he needs to shut down, shoot down right now. There was a story today from Mark Stein, a guy that we both like and really respect in terms of his ability to cover the NBA, suggesting the Suns are focused on their post-Chris Paul future and maybe interested in guys like Terry Rozier, Emmanuel Quickly of New York, or Fred Van Vliet of Toronto. You gamboed those earlier today. Yeah, there was a twisted sister song, song called Shoot Him Down. 
We might have to stop playing that sometimes. Oh, and, and replace the Don't Fear the Reaper no, by I Blue Oyster Cult? Come I don't, on, man. I yeah. Come on. Mind your words. Think about what you're saying before you say them. I know. I know. On. Yeah, no, what I'm, what I, those guys are not on the Suns' radar. And I, you know, I know there's some good reporters out there, um, so sometimes I hate doing this, but the Suns are not interested in Fred Van Vliet. They're not interested in Quickly from the Knicks, and they're not interested in Terry Rozier from the Charlotte Hornets. Those are not guys that the Suns are going to make a trade for right now. A name uh, we had brought up yesterday, not reporting, just it had been reported. Serge Ibaka, Ibaka is also a no-go for the Suns. Serge Ibaka is not a guy that they have any interest okay. in either. I don't expect a trade with Milwaukee, although some of the Milwaukee guys have been mentioned. I don't think the Suns will make a deal with Milwaukee. So there are some players that we've been talking about from the Bucks, but I just don't know that. I don't think that that's going. Look, I think Jay Crowder is going to get traded, but I don't think anybody's actually brought up the name of the guy that they're going to trade for. Trade <laughs> deadline. That makes any sense. It does. Trade deadline is two weeks and two days away. Now, as for tonight's game, DeAndre Ayton has been upgraded to doubtful from out. He's got a non-COVID illness, but he's still doubtful for tonight. Campaign will be reevaluated in a week. However, Cam Johnson, Chris Paul are good to go. Tip time is seven o'clock here. Here on 98.7 in the Arizona Sports app. Also at 7 and also on our app, the Coyotes return to Mullet Arena to host the Ducks. Puck drops at 7 o'clock. Gambo, you had some Coyotes news this afternoon? This is the first time yeah, we're hearing about this. Yeah, yeah, the Coyotes, uh, we broke some Coyotes news earlier that the Phoenix Coyotes. Arizona uh, Coyotes. They, I'm sorry, did I say the Phoenix Coyotes? That's all right. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm here to check you. It's all good. Yeah, that the Coyotes gave a one-year extension to Yuso Valamaki. He's a guy that they claimed off a waiver from Calgary. He's a two-way defense. He's been a good addition for them. So they signed him to a contract extension. It's a one-year contract extension. Good young two-way defenseman. Again, picked up on waivers from Calgary. Uh, it's been very good for them. So they get that done. We broke that news earlier today. Alright, let's get everybody caught up on all the other stuff going on in the NFL because there is a lot going on. The Texans will have Broncos defensive coordinator Ejiro Aviro in for his second interview on Wednesday. They have also interviewed Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka for a second time as well. Yeah, I would be surprised if Avero doesn't get a job. He's interviewed all five places. He seems to be very well liked and respected. Sean Payton interviewed with Carolina on Monday. According to Albert Breer, Benjamin Albright, and other NFL insiders, they would not be surprised if Payton ended up back at Fox this season. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like he might be trying. And there's reportedly a mystery team involved in Sean Payton, but that could just be a leverage I play. I think it probably by is. Sean Payton. The Panthers are going to interview Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore for their head coaching job on Tuesday. And the Patriots are expected to hire Bill O'Brien as their new offensive coordinator to lead Mac Jones out of the darkness. Yeah, and keep your eye on that, right? Bill O'Brien spent six years with DeAndre Hopkins with the Texans. Uh, just saying, there was a, there's a connection there. I don't think they were very close, but DeAndre Hopkins said they had no ill will towards Bill O'Brien. But with him being the offensive coordinator, you would wonder if the Patriots try to make a play for DeAndre Hopkins. If you're a Packers fan, certainly one of the stories to keep an eye on this offseason is going to be what happens with Aaron Rodgers. He again addressed rumors and reports about his future on Tuesday on the Pat McAfee show when the topic of a possible trade was brought up. Quote, all other ideas about trade and whatnot, that's all conjecture before I even decide what I want to do moving forward for myself. Close quote. There's some belief that Aaron Rodgers might have played his last game with the Green Bay Packers. We all remember he was walking off the field after that Lions game. Yeah, just kind of having that yeah. soak it in, look around kind of moment. Refused to trade jerseys with a player uh, on the other team. Uh, uh, and then Tom Brady dropping all the F-bombs because he doesn't know what he's going to do. So two of the old... Podcast- 
podcast. Two of the old timers in this game. Look, this is a young man's game. Look at the quarterbacks that are in the AFC and NFC championship now. Um, Brady and Rodgers, you know, the last hurrahs. Do they continue to play or not? I think both will continue to play. I think both will play on different teams, though. Yeah, I think Brady's out of juice. I think Rodgers still has some juice he left. He didn't throw for 300 yards once this year. No, I, I know. No, I, just, I just think he's... You talk about not having weapons around you. Man, they have not done a good job putting people around him in that lineup. Um, I, I still think he's got a little juice, but I could be wrong. Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology has ASU's men's basketball team as one of the last four in. After the sweep by the California schools, USC and UCLA, he still has them in the NCAA tournament. That's a good sign right there. He does. He's got Kentucky, Northwestern, and Penn State as the other last four teams in, and he's projecting, and I know we've got a long way to go on the season, he's projecting the Sun Devils to play Northwestern in a play-in game in the quote-unquote first round of the tournament. I wish ASU had had a tougher non-conference schedule and they'd be more, maybe more solidified because they've had a good year. U of A, by the way, he has U of A as a two-seed right now in Correct. his bracketology. They are in the Midwest. That included Alabama as the number one seed. I think U of A will have plenty of opportunities to move up to the number one line if they're able to do it. And with the Super Bowl coming up, country music star Chris Stapleton, big fan. He will hit next month's Super Bowl stage to sing the national anthem. R&B legend Babyface will perform America the Beautiful. The performances will take place February 12th at State Farm Stadium before the halftime show featuring Rihanna. No word yet on who, if any, Rihanna's special guest is going to be. There's always some secret performer, usually very opposite on the spectrum from whoever the main performer is. No idea who that is, but we'll see. They've been promoting the hell out of Rihanna for the halftime show. Babyface? Babyface is doing the hmm. national, or America the Beautiful. I don't know Babyface. Chris Stapleton is doing the national anthem, and he's great. I remember Babyface from the movie Bugsy Malone with Scott Baio. Get Babyface. Get Babyface. Get Babyface. That might Get Babyface. Tell our audience just how old you are. Get Babyface. You don't remember Babyface? Hmm. Bernsey, you might appreciate this too. Buried in the bottom of that release. Troy Kotsur, he's going to sign the national anthem. The Academy Award winning actor from CODA. Who, local guy? He's no gonna, way. He's going to sign, yeah. I love that movie. This time a year ago, he got nominated for an Academy Award. He won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his role as the dad. He's from Mesa. Uh, my dad knew his dad. It was uh, That's so cool. That is really, One really cool. One of my cool. favorite movies. That was such a great movie. And then we come back. Sean Payton is interviewing with the Cardinals on Thursday. Does that mean he becomes the next Cardinals head coach? Well, like a lot of things, it's complicated. We're going to head to the Big Easy, get all the intel we can next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Sean Payton. Update. Update. You have to play this when we have the guest on. I mean, it it, it seems so demeaning and embarrassing. You know, like we finally get to talk to somebody from New Orleans about Sean Payton. Update. 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 But... You know, we're all interested. That's what we want to do. It's what we want to know. Joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, he's covered the Saints, I believe, since 2005. He's Mike Tri- uh, Mike Triplett, pardon me, New Orleans dot football Saints coverage. Uh, Mike, I apologize for that embarrassing piece of production, but as you can see, <laughs> no, I, I thought I thought that was just happening in my head. That's all I've been doing for two weeks too. I cover the Saints, and Sean Payton is all we uh, care about. Yeah. The last one we had was the Kevin Durant watch. watch. Is KD coming to Phoenix? Yeah, and that yeah. included the the. Yeah. 
update, yeah. update, update, update things just kind of echoing through your head. So I, I, I hope we did not. If, I hope that's not too embarrassing. But as you can see, we're a little obsessed no, look, with the Sean Payton thing around here. We're all we're all in the same world right now. Everything's on hold till we find out what, what's going to happen. Yeah, there's a lot of feeling now that he may just end up back at Fox. That you know the price to pay for him is very very high with a first round pick and maybe more. And there's a lot of quality candidates out there. Would you be surprised if he ended up back at Fox? Yeah, I mean, obviously the momentum shifts constantly in this thing. Um, I thought originally when there were only five openings uh, and that they weren't you know, necessarily the ones that you would have thought would have been number one on his wish list, the Chargers would have been, the Cowboys might have been, uh, you know, long-time rumored uh, partnership there, I thought, oh, maybe this won't be the year. But th- the fact that he's lined up interviews with four teams, that those four teams have all agreed to at least some level of trade compensation with the Saints, it, it shows a level of interest here that was not a, I'm not going to bother interviewing there. I'm not going to bother picking up the phone. We're not going to bother flying him in for an interview because he costs too much. I have to think there's still a good chance that one of these deals gets done. And a lot of this, Oh, now it's looking like he might go back to Fox and, Oh, you know, Denver, uh, you know, (laughs) it feels like there's some pressure being put on there from sides and negotiating in it. I mean, obviously it might not get done and, and, and it might, come down to teams not wanting to ultimately pay a large amount of money, give up a large amount of power, and give up a large amount of draft picks. Um, I, I don't know why those teams would – I don't know why a team like Arizona would even bring him in for an interview at this stage if they weren't willing to give up those things. Um, but but certainly Arizona, of all teams, is the one that feels least likely to do it since you know they were the last one to line up an interview and, and they went ahead and already – hired a GM without even you know considering dangling that as part of their their pitch to him. Let me ask you about the draft pick compensation, because the, the three examples are Belichick, Parcells, and Gruden. It's like a hundred years ago that first-round picks went yeah. for those guys. I mean, I mean, times have changed. I mean, it's 20 yeah. years later. Is there a chance that the Saints, who are desperate for draft pick compensation, would they accept a second-round pick or a second and a fourth, or does it have to be a line in the sand? If you don't give me a first-round pick, why not let him out of his contract? Right. Well, I've always thought the Gruden example was going to set an unreasonable expectation for Saints fans. Um, and it was funny. I was covering the 49ers back then when when the the uh, Glazer family uh, flew to interview Steve Mariucci. And when that didn't work out, then they turned to John Gruden in the middle of the night. It was just like it was such a unique situation where that team was so eager to make a splash. And for whatever reason, they wanted to, to poach a coach from another team, you know, instead of the candidates that were out there, you know, you, you, you pay what you got to pay. If you decide you've got to have a guy, um, uh, that doesn't mean that an arbitrator would say, no, all coaches cost two first round picks and two second round picks. I mean, Mike Holmgren went to Seattle for a second rounder and then lesser, lesser coveted guys, Bruce Arians and Herm Edwards went for like day three picks. So nobody talks about those ones. They talk about the top of the market, but look, the market the market will, will, will set itself. I mean, if teams, aren't willing to give up the first rounder the saints are going to have to rethink their strategy and if they go ahead and do this again next year but from everything i've heard i think it's going to be a first round pick or at least what the saints are sort of saying is the price of admission here is 
a first-round pick or the equivalent of a first-round pick if you've got to package some picks together in a trade chart to to make it a first-round pick plus a little more. So okay. I, I don't think they're demanding a third pick overall from Arizona, uh, but maybe if they want Arizona's first next year, then it would also cost a second and third or something something along those lines. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've heard that they didn't even – you know, set the it's these exact picks when they talk with teams, but but I bet it would have to to add up to something like the fifteenth pick on a trade chart. Mike Triplett, who covers the Saints for New Orleans dot football, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. He's joining us from New Orleans. He's been covering the Saints since two thousand and five, so he's obviously very dialed in. And and that that kind of speaks to what I wanted to ask you about. You, you sort of covered it. Is is if we're looking at this, and I know I think I read in in one of your reports or in somebody's report that Mickey Loomis is quite the poker player, and and there yeah. does feel to be like a bluff element to this. Of you know, this is what I'm going to take I'm not going to take anything less but at the end of the day would you rather have something for Sean Payton or would you rather right. have nothing for Sean Payton evaluate you you know the guy evaluate Mickey Loomis's level of bluffness when it comes to something like this well he's got he, he's got the leverage right now which is fine um, we hold his rights. We can say no. Uh, we hold his rights for two more years. So I, I think he's going to he's gonna play this one pretty strict this year. Um, now, I've actually been talking with, with my partner at New Orleans Down Football and, and, you know, like having Twitter conversations, having podcast conversations. We disagree a little bit. I worry about how much that leverage goes away next year. Mm-hmm. He says he doesn't think the leverage will, will change much next year because, you know, a team's got to pay what a team's got to pay. If a team wants Sean Payton, they'll, they'll pay it. Um, next year, though, Mickey Loomis does have to debate just how just how strict he wants to be because because next year is the deadline year. But this year he can be strict. This year he can say, hey, I'll take my chances again next year. If nobody's willing to give up the first round pick this year, then nobody gets Sean Payton. And, and, and I think he will hold to that. You know him. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like you're a mind reader or you know him so well you can predict what he's going to do, Mike. But, but from an Arizona perspective, um, how likely do you think that is at the end of the day, or, or is Denver truly the leader in the clubhouse when it comes to his services? No, I mean, I think a strong argument can be made that Arizona has the best roster uh, of any. Now, I don't know exactly what Sean Payton thinks of Kyler Murray. I don't know exactly what he thinks of Kyler Murray injured. Um, and, and, you know, obviously reports came out about, you know, whatever ex-players have said whatever about Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and him, you know, seen shouting on the sidelines. I'm sure Sean Payton's going to do his homework on whether it's someone he thinks he can work with, whether it's someone he's excited to work with. Um, But a a strong argument can be made that that's the best quarterback that any of these situations are offering. And certainly that the rest of the roster two through 53 is, is the most ready to compete for titles uh, of any of these other teams. Location is obviously great um, for him wanting to be close to LA, wanting to, um, you know, be in warm weather, if any of that stuff matters. But I, I really think his ability to win matters more than anything else. And I don't even think the general manager would be a deal breaker if, if he likes the general manager and has heard good things about him. He worked with the GM, his entire time he worked under a GM his entire time in New Orleans. Mickey Loomis was his boss in New Orleans and he never left because he always talked about how well he loved his relationship with the GM and with ownership here. So he wants power. He probably wants 
ultimate final say or at least equal say or veto sure. power or whatever you want to call it but it doesn't mean he has to be the gm's boss so i i don't think arizona gets ruled out for any of those reasons and in some ways it might be the most attractive job but you know the other question is what are they offering him are they offering him enough money i know people have wondered if arizona would offer that are they rolling out the red carpet for him are they trying to offer him ultimate power you know are they offering him final say on the 53-man roster i think those things will sway him and and you know without knowing exactly where arizona is uh compared to other teams in those elements i I think those will be big factors. mike we appreciate the time thank you for coming on for a few minutes uh we look forward to the conversation all day we appreciated the insight thanks for coming on all right, thank you. Thank you. Mike Triplett from New Orleans dot football covering the New Orleans Saints, giving us the insight we're all looking for when it comes to Sean Payton and might what might happen next. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You might be listening to us in podcast form right now. Subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android, and you'll never miss any of our show. The Burns and Gambo Show is brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home, get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higher price. Terry Rozier, Fred Van Vliet, Emmanuel Quickly. Any of those interest Suns fans? If so, Gambo's got the latest next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. That's us here live from the Auction Community Studios with the Burns and Gambo Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And it is time for us to update our Twitter poll question of the day. One that it feels like we've asked a couple different variations of from time to time. Which job is the best? Here's Eric Ruby with the latest on the Twitter poll. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Scott Rubes. Well, we've got five head coaching openings around the NFL, the Cardinals, the Texans, the Broncos, the Panthers, and the Colts. Out of those five, where does Arizona rank as far as desirability goes? Are they a top two most desirable uh, franchise? Three, four, five. You guys know the ranking. Yeah, again, beauty is in the eyes of the ball. If you asked every single coach that's been interviewed for a job to, to list which job is the best? They don't have a different. Nobody's gonna have the same set of, you know. No if doubt. you went to a Vero, his top five would be different than Sean Payton's top five, who might be different from Dan Quinn's top five. So it is a very difficult thing to do, right? I mean, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. There may be a lot of things about Arizona that somebody likes over somewhere else. With that being said, I still think Denver is the best job, and I think Houston is the second best job. All right, I've got, I've got the Cardinals fourth on my list. I, I've got Denver one. I've got Carolina two, mainly because of the money behind their owners and how it's a myth that this is a cap-driven league. It's it's not. It's a money-driven league, and those are two big money guys right there. It's debating the Texans and the Cardinals at third and fourth, and, and I'm begrudgingly going with the Texans just because their draft pick situation is great. The blank slate they have at quarterback is great. They have some good young players that kind of showed themselves last year. I'll go with the Texans third, the Cardinals fourth, the Colts fifth. This one, a very optimistic poll for the Cardinals in a tie for last place. They believe they are the fourth and fifth least desirable locations. In third place at 25%, they think that they are number three most desirable. And the number one 
option. 53.3%. We had to group it together because there's only four options. Picked top two, but of those, 67.3% think they would be the second best team. 32% think they are the first best team. All right, you can find that, as always, on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. It is absolutely worth a follow on social media if you want to play along with the show, the topics that we're talking about, the polls. Of course, we retweet some of our best videos, some of our best segments. You can catch up on all of it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page at Burns and Gambo. You can also um, hear Gambo's inside information about the state of the Phoenix Suns. There was a report earlier today from Mark Stein. A guy that I, I think it's safe to say we both respect for his ability to cover the league. Sure. And I'm not saying that just because you're saying what you are, that this means that Mark's not good at what he does by any stretch of the imagination. But he reported that the Suns are starting to assess their post-Chris Paul future and that they have identified Terry Rozier, Emmanuel Quickly of the Knicks, and Fred Van Vliet as potential trade targets. You have gamboed that. That's the phrase. You yes. Gamboed that. Yes. Or we... you played Blue Oyster Cult. Which, there you go. Which, at this point, should probably always just have this at the ready. We played no, so we much. we got to talk about this, Mitch. You know? We're going to talk about this. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I mean, not yeah. down. I mean, just your proclivity to shoot these things down, I just feel like it should just... Right, right. You know? Hey, this is sounds... a shock. Gambo's going to shoot this down. Play the song. Yeah, the Suns... You want lobster for lunch, Gambo? Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, the Suns do not have interest in Fred Van Vliet. They do not have interest in Quickly. They do not have interest in Rozier. Um, I don't know where some you know where some of this stuff comes from, but those are not players that the Suns are looking at. They're well, not players that they're kicking the tires on. They're not players that they're going to trade for. I mean, Fred Van Vliet, let's be fair, he's been linked to the Suns for two weeks now, three weeks. We've seen him. Because I mean, Toronto might blow things well, up. That you, you say yeah. you don't know where this comes from. I mean, it, it's, it's uh, you know, whether it's reputable or not, Fred Van Vliet's name has been attached to the Suns for the better part of three weeks. So it's coming from somewhere. Um, it's just a question of whether it's going to happen or not. I, it, I'm, I'm not surprised the answer is no i get it they're all expensive and and they all kind of tie up for the next couple of years i mean terry rosier is what in the first year of like a 98 million dollar contract god that's expensive for terry rosier it's the reasoning behind the why not that i'm just stuck on gambo i just kind of have a problem with it and i'll let you i don't have a problem with you i just the the, the reasoning behind why okay, not the i just don't get let's I, go over the reasoning van bleed is a little different he's going to want 25 to $30 million a year on a contract. Okay. Okay, so that that's an issue. He's also a 6'1 point guard, which is the same size as Rozier. Scoring point guards, if you know, right now, the way the team is situated, those guys would not be a great fit while the Suns have Booker and Paul. They're not a great fit. A small guard who uh, dominates the ball. Van Vliet and Rozier scoring guards. Um... Now, you could say, what if Chris Paul's gone? I don't know what's going to happen with Chris Paul. He's under contract for next year. There is an out at at about $15 million, so you can get out of the contract for about half the price. Only half is guaranteed. Quickly would cost cost you a first-round pick. He would cost you a first-round pick, and he's not much bigger. He's only like Mm 6'2". So I think smaller guards, ball-dominant guards, I don't 
again, that's the, this is not any player that the Suns are interested in. You know, how this comes about, I think because the Suns, you know, the Suns are obviously in the market for a lot of the players that come about. A lot of people just link them to the Suns because the Suns need, you know, people think the Suns need a player. They need a replacement for Chris Paul. Look, they very likely know or have ideas what direction they're going to go with or without Chris Paul. I'm just telling you it's none of the three guys that were mentioned there. Those yeah, three guys are not the uh, not answers. I, and, and I totally get that. I, I What I don't get and what I will continue to fail to not get until I hear an explanation that kind of scratches the itch is that it's all it's all so based on now. Now, now, now. This guy's not a fit with Chris Paul now. This guy's not a fit with Chris Paul now. He doesn't fit with Booker and Paul now. Man, we, we there's got to be some vision ahead, right? There, there always is. You can't. You got to put on the high beams, you know, every now and then, and look to see what's down the road a little bit, not just what's three feet in front of the car. And I feel like with the Suns, I'm not blaming anybody for this, and I'm certainly not blaming your reporting. It's just frustrating as a Suns fan because, yeah, I understand Fred Van Vliet isn't a great fit with Chris Paul now. Yeah, I get Emmanuel quickly. He's not a great fit with Chris Paul now. Man, just yesterday we were talking about how one of the biggest things to be determined this season is whether you're going to eat $15 million on Chris Paul's contract and let him go. I mean, we're already thinking about the next chapter of the Suns book without Chris Paul, and now all of a sudden there's this, wow, he doesn't fit with Chris Paul. That part, until I have it explained to me in a way that I understand and accept, I will continue to have a problem with that because I just think that's... You know this. This was my frustration with the trade deadline last year. Well, all these guys were looking at you. We would talk about this day after day. They don't fit now. They don't. Where are they going to get minutes now? Where are they going to get minutes? Man, I'm not worried about them getting minutes now. I'm worried about them getting minutes in May. When somebody's hurt, some emergency has happened that you can't foresee, and you need the guy that you don't need right now. That's the frustrating part to me as a Suns fan. Yeah, no, I very frustrating. Listen, listen, there are two paths you can go by, but in the long run, and there's still time to change the road you're on. Like, there is. So is that your default <laughs> is to quote Led Zeppelin's <laughs> Stairway to Heaven? There is there's still time to change the road you're on. I don't know what they're going to do with Chris Paul. There are two paths that they can go by. They can keep him or they can move on from him. Which path they take, I don't know. And there is time to make that decision for them what they're going to do. I am sure there are contingency plans that the Phoenix Suns are looking at several of them that if they decide to move on from Chris Paul, here's what they think they need to do. I just don't think paying Fred Van Vliet 25 to $30 million is an option or getting Terry Rozier is an option or quickly. I don't know who the option is, but it's not those guys. Now, again, I mean, there are so many players in the league and, you know, I know I shoot down these rumors and, um, you know, I'm fortunate that I can do that. And, and be correct on that because the Suns are not going after any of those three players. But I don't, to this point, I'm not really sure which guy they are. People ask, well, who are they going after? I don't know. Yeah. I can just, I can check on the names that come about and tell you if they're interested or not. The Suns were interested in, in Rui Hachimura. They were. They had conversations with Washington. I won't shoot that down. We don't have to play Blue Oyster Cult. He went to the Lakers. We'll discuss that later. But these three players, and they, listen, they're all good. I love Fred Van Vliet three years ago when he was making $11 million a year. Yeah. I loved him. But if he wants 25 to 30, you know, you got to look at the Suns paying four guys. They're paying Book. They're paying Paul. They're paying Eaton. They're paying Mikhail. They might have to pay Cam. You can't have a roster with seven guys making 25 plus million dollars. You just can't do it. I, I, I totally, I, look, I, I get that. I totally do get that. And, and I, I still have unbelievable amounts of faith in James Jones. It's just, it feels like for the last year or so, it's been a lot of status quo. You know, it's been a lot of, yeah, they've spent money, 
yeah, they've they've you know fortified the roster by investing into it financially. But what have they done to give themselves a different look? What have they done to change the equation in the last year? They they and, and Tory honestly, Tory Craig, Damian Lee, Josh Kogi, they, they, they barely count. I, I mean, they I know, barely count. It's, it's it's been so status quo for the last but, year, and that's frustrating. But what's changed is. At one point, they didn't have $30 million invested in DeAndre Eaton and 25 in Mikhail and the Supermax in book. And, and then they were able to do other things. But once you start, once you go down that path, we talk about this all the time with NFL quarterbacks. Once you pay Joe Burrow $50 million a year, you're limited. Once the Suns, Booker, DA, Paul, Mikhail, maybe K. You're limited in what you can do. You are, you're limited to mid-level exceptions and taxpayer exceptions and, you know, uh, getting guys on, on minor deals. Getting the 25 million guy, million dollar guy is difficult. You have to move somebody out to get that guy in and you gotta make sure that's the right guy if you're gonna do that. I just don't want this window to pass him by. When we come back, what are the four big questions surrounding the four big teams during a championship weekend that is like no other? And just how scary are the Eagles too? That's coming up next in the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. No doubt we'll talk about the two conference championship games more and more as we get a little closer to them. I, I We brought it up briefly, and I'll bring it up again today, again briefly, just to kind of kickstart the conversation. It is remarkable when you look at the gambling odds how close these teams are to win a championship. Chiefs are plus 250. The Bengals are plus 260. The Eagles are plus 260. The 49ers are plus 310. That was FanDuel, and that was about 36 hours ago. I don't but, understand that, because if you bet $100 on Eagles, how much would you win? If you bet, you bet, you win $310. So if you, you get, if you bet 100, you get 110 back? You get, if you bet 100, you get 310 back. Wow. Yeah. But if you bet 100 on the Chiefs, you get 250 back. If you bet oh, 100. Eagles. Oh, you said the Eagles. I I'm sorry. I think you said the Niners. 260. 260. If you bet 100, you get 260 back. Yes. Yes. You bet a hundred on the Niners, you get three ten back. So if you bet a hundred, you win a hundred and sixty. No, you on win Eagles. You win two sixty plus your hundred back. Oh, geez, really? <laughs> yeah, really. Pretty cool, huh? If you do it right. If you don't do it right, it's not cool at all. <laughs> There's nothing cool about it if you do it wrong. But that's with point spreads. No, that's just to win. That's just, just to, to win. win a championship. That is just to win the Super Bowl. Oh, That's to win it. The, okay, to win the Super to Bowl. To win the Super Bowl. And, and the, the point is, is that the best odds you're going to get are the Chiefs at 250. The worst odds you're going to get are the 49ers at 310. That's not much of a difference. That that means that these three team, these four teams, are clumped in, nice and tight, real close. Anything could happen. Any of the four could win. In fact, I, I believe honestly that with Mahomes' injury, I think they're the least likely to win. I think the Mahomes injury is devastating. I, I, I think that just, high ankle sprain. I think that trashes Kansas City's chance. Now I could, okay. be, I, you know, Kansas City fans right now are probably screaming at their car at me, but I, I think Patrick Mahomes' ankle makes it very difficult for them to be able to compete and win two games. I just think that's going to be really problematic. Could be wrong. 
been wrong yeah. before, but they're all listen. They're all close. Well, you know, when you go to NFL division round questions, I mean, that's got to be the one question with Kansas City is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, is can he move around? Can Patrick Mahomes plant his foot? Can he can he run if he has to run? Do they have to abandon the play action? You know, out of the lineup. You know, what are they going to do to keep him in the game to keep him upright? He didn't attempt a single deep pass after the first quarter. That's just the eighth time that happened since he took over as the full-time starter. So he didn't even attempt deep passes, just shorter passes. His average pass over the final three quarters of that game traveled just 6.4 yards in the air. That's a, you know, that's below, way below his season average. Like they weren't, you know, they, they weren't really throwing the ball down the field. They, they surely weren't having him, you know, run very much. He had, he had like one run on a third and one. He picked up four yards on a third and one. He ran the ball just once over the remainder of the game after he came back in. So you, so if he's not able to run, if he can't really hit the deep pass, you're, I mean, I mean, you got, you could question whether Chad Henney's a better option if Patrick Mahomes is 50% of himself. No doubt. And so if you're looking at these four questions, that's question number one when it comes to the Chiefs. Are the Chiefs still the AFC favorites with an injured Patrick Mahomes? For me, the answer is no. Question number two, are the Eagles all the way back to their best? We got done with the show last night. I got in the car. I had 98.7 on. And it was ESPN radio. And one of the, I can't remember who it was who was hosting the show. It was a national show who said, look, I'm going to caution everybody out there right now. Do not think about the Eagles the way you thought about the Giants a week ago. Like the Giants went in, beat the Vikings, and everyone went, oh my God, the, the, the Giants, they're so good, they're so good. Don't be fooled by the score. The Eagles still have some things they got to work through. They look great, just like the Giants look great against the Vikings. Are the Eagles all the way back to their best? Well, the simple answer is yes, and the reason you can tell that is the designed runs. <laughs> With that shoulder injury, were they, were they afraid to run him in the game were they afraid to run hurts he had seven designed runs in that football game the total might have been higher if the game was closer but it wasn't because they were kicking the Giants ass so they didn't have to do it but seven designed runs that was the big question coming in with the shoulder injury because he averaged throughout the season about seven designed runs a game in week 18 when he came back he did carry the ball nine times for 13 yards but only one was a designed run this week seven design runs. So I think Hertz is all the way back based on the fact that they were willing to put those plays in the game plan and have him run the football. The question about the Bengals, how did the Bengals overcome missing three starting offensive linemen to beat the Bills? Well, no, it's... it's uh, no, I know, there's no, an answer they, to it. They got the ball out quick. They yes. ran the ball very well. Uh, Joe Burrow took about an average of two and a half seconds to get the ball out. He was sacked only once on 37 dropbacks. He was pressured less than any quarterback in the divisional round. He got the ball out very, very fast. They ran the ball very effectively with Joe Mixon. The Bills were missing a bunch of guys by the end of that game, guys who had left with injuries, and they were able to survive with their patchwork offensive line. Can they do it again against Frank Clark now and the Kansas City Chiefs? That's the big question. Well, the key is really their ability to run the football. I remember I kept talking about how good Mixon was. And, you know, they, they burrow through for only 242 yards, still a good number, you know, in the snow and everything. But they were running the ball down the Bills' throat the entire game and 172 yards, 13 first downs and a touchdown rushing. 172
72 yards, 13 first downs, and a touchdown on 34 carries. Very efficient running the football. If they're able to do that again, I, I don't see them losing this game. No, I don't. Uh, I don't see them losing again. Frankly, if they're able to do that, and then for the 49ers, sort of an interesting question that I wasn't expecting: Are Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw the key for the 49ers to beat the Eagles? In large part because they're trying to figure out who's going to keep up with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. And Fred Warner showed off some incredible speed in coverage in that game on Sunday night. Yeah, he covered C.D. Lamb quite a bit, and you know, linebackers covering a wide receiver is usually a recipe for disaster. But he's a speedy guy, so you got two. And this is what the Cardinals were trying to do with Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. Try to have two linebackers who can run like deers, and that way if they're on a running back, if they're on a tight end, if they get lined up with a wide receiver, you're not in a mismatch situation where the quarterback looks and says, I'm going to go to this guy no matter what. That's a mismatch. So I know the Cardinals with Isaiah and Zayvon Collins were very much trying to get what you're seeing right now with these two linebackers for the 49ers. Yeah, it's early picks on early, early picks. I think I'd go Bengals 49ers right now. Early. It's only Tuesday. Friday, we'll come up with our rock-solid picks. I would I think go, right now I would go Bengals-San Francisco. I'm going to go Bengals-Eagles. Okay. If Mahomes isn't healthy, I just can't pick Kansas City. And man, there's something about that Joe Burrow. And, but, I, I, but I do think the Eagles are going to win. Okay. I think the Eagles will beat the 49 That one's a very tough game to call. Just want to promote this. Coming up at 5.30, we're going to chat with U of A football head coach Jed Fish. He's going to join us. He's going to talk about new Cardinals GM Monty Austinfort and their relationship dating back to the early 2000s. So you talk about somebody locally who knows Monty, who has worked with Monty. If you get the chance, 5.30, we'll interview Coach Fish with the University of Arizona. When we come back, a second interview is on the horizon for the Arizona Cardinals. Who is it for? What does it mean? All of it next on the Burns and Gambo Show.